They're not human, I tell you. Not human. Absolutely awful-looking aliens. Big, bad, bears, creeping, crawling creatures, deadly, drooling dragons. And their movements look so real. And that's only the beginning. How do CG artists achieve such great animation? Well, in this episode, number 2210, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG bros, will be doing a deep dive into all of that when they answer the commonly asked question, how are non-humans animated? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Welcome back to the CG Insider Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. If you're new to the podcast or are joining us for the first time, it's really great to see you. In today's episode, we're going to be answering a question submitted by Emily B. from Lily Falls, New York, at our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com. And Emily asks us, how are non-humans animated? By the end of our discussion, you will not only have an understanding of how non-humans are animated, but you'll all hear some of our personal stories and, and some challenges we've had animating them. Make sure you, uh, you stay to the end of the podcast where we'll be jumping into the mailbag, of course, and sharing some of our really great comments from some fans uh, about previous podcasts. I'm Bill Johnston, one of your hosts for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And I'm the better-looking Sean Johnston. And together, we are known everywhere as the CG Bros. Uh, Sean, this is a super interesting question. Um, let's go ahead and jump right in. I think, I think we probably need to start off with what exactly do we mean? What are we talking about when we say non-human uh, anyway? Well, I mean, you, we could make, make a big discussion and say, well, any inanimate object or mechanical objects, uh, creatures, you could go into particle effects. But I think we should probably kind of stick today on, on creatures. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know, aliens. I, I when I when I talk about when I think about non-humans, I, I aliens come to my mind. Mutants, genetic yes. experiments gone wrong, stuff like that. Right. Uh, well, it's often been said that character design is supposed to tell the audience something about, um, obviously, the creatures and characters that, that you're animating and and complement their personality and role in the story in some way. So. Non-human characters provide uh, a, actually a really unique challenge and opportunity for animators because they they possess uh, features that no human could ever have, unless of course they're like anthrop anthropomorphic. That's easy for you to say. Um, th then obviously you have a little bit of commonality between human movement uh, incorporated into your creature. Yes, and we've seen a lot of uh, non-human animation, especially Disney's been doing quite a bit of that. I mean, we've we've seen quite a lot of it in. in other movies as well, but I mean, we've really seen some real advances in, in non-human animation, particularly animal animation uh, with uh, uh, some of the recent Disney films. What is it? Uh, Lion King and Jungle Book and, and some of the some of the others. Just, just put some phenomenal work. Um, very realistic. Very realistic. Yeah, yes. You know, and those, they're, they're, the, the, the rendering technology, I mean, it's all that stuff has come a long way, and and uh, it's 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 pretty amazing. And and you're right; it is so much harder to animate non-humans because uh, human humans, are, you know, for the most part, uh, ha you know, are, are predictable. A animals move in ways that we're not used to seeing, and and even uh, animals that uh, like we're talking about aliens and mutants and stuff. They're 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 non-symmetrical, so it, it's it's really interesting. And they have appendages and and things that need to be animated. I mean, we talked about. Uh, in the, one of the past, uh, during uh, cat, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Davy Jones, and and how they animated his beard, uh, that that to me is what, what's really interesting about animating um, non-humans. Yes, and 
the uh, just so you know, the craft of animation itself um, it can be very similar whether working on a film doing uh, non-human characters or a video game. So, it, it, as long as you're you're you have the basics of of animation, you can you can apply those to uh, either one of those. Um, a lot of times you'll have to obviously re rethink the process based on the requirements of the project, the film project or the game. And so, but just so you understand as an animator that you, you have the basics of how to animate anyway. And so you, you kind of have to be flexible in that way in order to work on different projects based on the demand. And so as long as you, like I said, learn those uh, fundamentals, uh, the 12 principles of animation, you should, you should be good to go. Um, so the, the things that's unique about uh, film that we've mentioned before versus uh, video games is in films you're you're making the the character look good in basically one one uh, camera um, shot or scene and then uh, the other side of the the game side of that would be it has to look good on all 360 degrees depending on if you well obviously if you're doing a cinematic or or some type of interstitial uh, cutscene. Then it's gonna you're you're gonna be animating to that camera. So um, that's that's kind of the thing that when I first got into the gaming world was understanding that that principle of of it has to look good in all all 360 degrees uh, all dimensions. Yes, and uh, there's there's different types of uh, creatures or non-human animations that are traditional to the realm of CG, which is you know we we know them as as bipeds, uh, which are, of course are are walking on two legs. And quadrupeds, which of course is working on or walking on four legs. Um, there's uh, tetrapods, uh, which is an animal with four limbs. Um, example might be, you know, uh, birds and, and and some mammals, reptiles, uh, things like that, amphibians. Um, <clears throat> but not all quadrupeds um, are tetrapods, and not all tetrapods are quadrupeds. But uh, basically, so for say a praying mantis, for example, is a quadruped because it walks on four legs. But it has six limbs in total, so it's not a tetrapod. So they, they, they're, they're different body structures, different um, physical, uh, mechanical uh, modes that, that, that these different body types um, uh, you know, do best at. And, and trying to find, find, them, find them and animate them correctly and, and add character to them is, is a real challenge. And I think that's, 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 as being an animator, I think that's one of the best things about being an animator is, 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 is that challenge of, of you know, bringing that character to life, especially one that's not, uh, never been seen before. And, you know, it has, has, you know, six limbs or something like that, you know? Right. Well, you, you may be asking yourself, uh, why, why do you, do I want to learn how to animate non, non-human characters? And the simple answer is the majority, if not all movie companies, uh, include either creatures or uh, fantasy-based creatures or existing animals in, in all, of their, all of their films. So, for example, Pixar itself, uh, Animation Studio, they've got Brave, you know, Toy Story um, 3, uh, Up, Wally. you got the cockroach in there, Ratatouille, you got, um, you know, the rats. The Incredibles, yes, there's a, there's a cat in it. But, uh, you know, Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., uh, Toy Story 2, so all those, uh, Bugs Life, of course, also, there's Blue Sky Studios, uh, Ice Age, uh, DreamWorks. You've got the Crudes, and you've got uh, Madagascar Three, and you got Puss in Boots, Kung Fu Panda, et cetera, et cetera. But so most of those those feature films, your uh, companies are going to have those creatures. And then if you go to on the the non CGI complete 3D animated film, you've got all the VFX. Uh, you've you've got your Lord of the Rings creatures. You've got 
a lot of those studios are doing those as well. So some of the bigger studios are, are all, all, always pushing creatures in, in every single one of their movies, nearly every single one of them. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. The, uh, you can do a mix of, of uh, for example, if you're doing a cartoony type character, you're going to be, that, that's a non-human. You're going to probably do some anthropomorphic uh, uh, performances. You're going to be acting. So what's kind of cool about that is you can do, you can animate the human side of, of the character, but also the animal side of that character. So you can have some really interesting play between going from back and forth between that, uh, doing animated films. Uh, so very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I guess I agree. And I think uh, one of my favorites uh, was, uh, came from Monsters, Inc., which was, uh, uh, what was the character, the, the slimy character? Uh, I want to say it's Sid, but I, I, don't, I don't think that's it. Um, Sid from Toy Story? No, no, no. That's probably why it's popping in because you said Toy Story. Uh, no, but it was Monsters, Inc. It was uh, the guy. Uh, the, the serpent-looking one. I don't know. The, yeah, I don't yeah, know the, the, the name of that slithery one. Slithery guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. So yeah, well, it, it went back and forth. It went back, you know, walking normally to slithering around. That that that's the kind of thing, the performance you want to be doing. Um, so, when you start animating creatures, just uh, make sure you you don't think uh, in terms of realistic uh, creature behavior, unless that's the actual thing you're trying to do, like a Lion King type movie, where you it needs to be uh, realistic. So, um, you know, study. Study real life if you're going to do something realistic. Obviously, uh, look look at uh, reference material, reference video of different animals and creatures that you're going to be you're going to be anim animating against. Um, so it, that's kind of what uh, what I would recommend. Well, yes, one and one of the great reference uh, libraries out there is from Ed, 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 Edward Moybridge, um, and he really kind of started off the whole. Uh, you know the 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 realization uh, and and the the method for for examining uh, motion of animals and and how we can animate them or simulate the animation of them. And he he uh, he's actually um, believe it or not um, credited for groundbreaking uh, moments uh, in cinematic history. I mean he he was the the precursor to animated movies. Uh, his work so. Uh, he's kind of like the grandfather, the great grandfather of of, of anime, of cinema, or movies, I should say. Well, a lot of a lot of what he did for for the referencing uh, of of movement of human beings uh, definitely went a long way because people didn't didn't couldn't see it. Uh, it. They didn't have fast enough cameras at the time, so he would he would set up all those multiple cameras and take a snapshot uh, uh, every every couple of like quarter of a second, whatever, or every second, and you'd see. Um, the actual uh, movement of the human being running, or or the horse uh, as well. He was doing the the Matrix move before, you know, way back when. Right, right. Good point. Well, you know, Good he point. got started. He got started because uh, he there was a, a governor of California, a former governor of California, um, had a, made a bet with someone, and the bet was that uh, that the, his horse, Occidental, lifted all four legs off the ground while running, and so there was no way for them to prove it because people couldn't couldn't see it with their bare eyes. And so uh, Moybridge came in there and, and uh, set up his stuff and, and proved uh, the guy right, and he won his bet. How much, do you know how much he won on that one? I don't know, but uh, no, it might have even been a gentleman's bet. I don't know. But the, <clears throat> I think if they're into horse racing or something like that, which I think it was, they were horse, you know, racing horses, uh, I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. Well, yes, and getting back to what I was saying earlier, uh, don't mean to cut you off, bro, but I was I was thinking uh, while I was talking about the the difference between film and and uh, and video games, 
the the you're animating for what what your designer of your game wants you to do and i think i might have mentioned the story before but it kind of reminded me i might want to mention it again is i remember animating um a character that had uh gosh i must have had close to maybe 250 300 bones and this is back in 2006 and it was a it was a queen a, a character that was a queen um and she had um um legs that would pop out of her, her back. And so she had all of her limbs, her face animating um, and, and speaking. At the same time, she had appendages coming off of her back, which would actually make her grow into this massive four-legged creature and, and, and walking on all fours. So I had to animate everything and, and all of you know, her attacks or her, her spell casts. And I just remember how, how difficult it was to do. And, and then it ended up being where the designer changed at the last minute. I, I did all this animation and, and, and animated it for like all good, great 360 degrees around this, this, uh, this, this character. Months worth of work. Oh yeah. Yeah. Easily. And they, it ended up being a side scroller game where you barely saw her on the screen. Uh, and you'd see her a glimpse of her. You're mostly looking at your own character, throwing stuff. And then eventually you'd see her every once in a while. That was so frustrating. Oh man, that was so frustrating. What a waste, <laughs> a waste of time. But you know what? You think about it this way. It was great too because I, I got a lot of experience with multiple multiple limbed characters with with tons and tons of bones uh, in the character to animate. That's pretty amazing, Sean. Well, I've got a couple examples that I'd like to show. These are some uh, non-human uh, uh, examples of some non-human animations done by a, a great character artist, uh, Eve Sayo. Uh, and this was for War Warhammer: A Total War. And let me go ahead and uh, get that running. Kind of can see what uh, some amazing work that these artists are doing. And this is an example of one of those uh, tetrapods I was talking about. Four legs with, with two arms. And you can even see that the golden creature on the right even has wings that flare out and, and have to be animated uh, correctly with the you know, skeleton of the, of the creature. That's beautiful. Quite amazing. And uh, here's a great uh, shot of uh, another uh, eight-limbed creature. Uh, here's a great shot of uh, a tailed creature with uh, armor and uh, different animations. And this one in particular is uh, pretty amazing just because of the wings. And here's that uh, arachnid. Really, really cool. Wow. Beautifully nice, nice flowing animation there. Yeah, these are these are just phenomenal. And you can see they, they've got spikes and, and fins and, and tails and tongues and... and uh, stuff coming off their jowls and uh, just giving breathing life into these creatures uh, how would this creature walk i mean here's an here's a great example of a creature that doesn't really exist it's, this animator did a great job of just coming up with you know the crawl of this of this uh, crustacean creature yeah so those those animations that you're you're seeing there those a lot of times you're looking at real life examples uh, as reference for the, for animating something that doesn't exist. I mean, for example, you, you would have a Jurassic Park, for example, right? You don't know, we don't know exactly how those things uh, moved, but you're, you're guessing. And so you're relying on a lot of um, reference material of either birds or uh, lizards or other, other types of, of uh, real living creatures as your, you even mix, you can even mix multiple uh, creatures in order to not be pigeonholed through uh, you just making it look like oh it looks like a bird so I'm going to make it look like a bird but then I think a lot of the animators will start mixing different uh, like an amalgam of different animals in one 
Yes, and that's that's really where comparative anatomy comes in because all, all vertebrates are share essentially the same skeletal structure, uh, but the bones are shaped in proportion differently, of course, depending on their use and the the specific needs of the animal and 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 the, and of the director, as you mentioned. Um, you know, if they this creature has to do this 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 move or this action or this you know this type of animation, uh, it has to be built in order to do that and, and in order to be, be animated in that way. And so that's that's the real challenge, I think. And I think having a good good basis in comparative anatomy, being able to compare, like, and as a matter of fact, a lot of these movie studios, Sean, and you know this uh, probably. Uh, send their animators around to to you know to Australia to to look at you know, the Tasmanian devils or, or or to Hawaii to look at the at the uh, the fish and and it, as a matter of fact they they did that for Nemo they went to they went to Hawaii and all, the animators just sat there and and uh, they went snorkeling and and uh, went around the island and and uh, took reference that's reference photos. That's a great that's a great segue uh, for what I was going to say uh, finding Dory. Uh, finding finding Nemo, then finding Dory. In fact, uh, the octopus in that movie was at t to date, I believe, is the the single hardest character that that the uh, Pixar had to animators had to animate. In fact, that that scene took uh, two years to create, uh, not including all the R and D they had to do. But that was just animating that scene. Um, it was uh, it, I think one of the animators, uh, uh, Michael Stalker. Yeah, I guess he was the supervising, supervising animator on that, was talking about how they went, like you said, they went to, they took a whole, the whole animation team to Monterey Bay Aquarium, um, and they had a 70-pound octopus in there. And so you could get a, a feel for how that animated, that animal actually moved. And um, what was interesting is that they said that they're, they're trying to figure out what, what, what's the rule, what's the rule on here for animating like you would normally, you can get, you can set up rules for um, a dog or, or a cat or, or a horse. And you can kind of, you can procedurally do that in certain, uh, you know, I've seen actually procedures, procedural animation where people have done those particular um, uh, animations. Uh, and this particular one, they, there are no rules because the, the octopus is basically a this free flowing jelly thing with arms. And it's just, it's very interesting. They said there were no rules. So they, they had a hard time breaking, they had to break down all of the movements of it in small, small movements. In fact, I got a little video here. If you want to pin me, uh, bro, and I can show, uh, some of the, some of the, some of the stuff backgrounds, uh, on, on the making of this. So they, you can see how realistic they did some of this, the tentacles, especially, I think it had 350 suckers on, on some of the, on the arms total. But, uh, this, this, uh, when I watched this for the first time, I was like, I, that's, that's amazing. That, that is so amazing how they are able to do that. But they, on the, on the limbs here, on the, the arms, they had different attributes for each one of the arms. So it'd be slightly different. Um, and then this rolling undulating part of this, of the tentacle was really difficult to do. And they finally got it and nailed it and it had to pick up things had to stick. Um, you know, it, it, it physics, physics were involved with that. So, I mean, there's a lot that went into this. And so that's why, you know, it's probably one of the most uh, difficult, if not the diff most difficult of all time for Pixar until they get come up with another multi-limb creature, right? That's similar to that. But you know, yes. And you know what it reminds me of, uh, the, the, well, it, so, something that's well, quite complex to animate, I'm sure is, was the Venom characters and the carnage characters uh when they're trying you know when they're transforming from bot you know from their characters or, or uh, 
throwing a, their appendages around or just basically trans, you know, mutating their bodies into different right. like shape shifting. It's just just an amazing uh, how how they do that and how he crawls around. You know, when he actually leaves the host body and he crawls around, very similar to what we're seeing here with mm -hmm. the octopus crawling on the counter. Um, that that rig has got is pretty impressive. I, I I can't imagine animating it. Yeah, it's like 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 I was saying they they did it in small little chunks and and had um had to break it down into small small uh small pieces in order to animate it correctly. So yeah, it's 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 uh it was pretty pretty amazing stuff there. Well, I'd like to show a um this is a, a creature that's you know one of my personal favorites that was was um pretty complex and uh this is a a Real from uh, Rodeo Effects. They did a lot of effects for uh, different things, but this uh, one in p sample in particular I'm going to uh, show you here is about the Demogorgon and how they uh, animated this thing. And, and the, the kind of the cool the reason I really like this one is because it's off balance, it's not symmetrical, and it yeah. takes a custom animation like the gait of this thing. Walking along, um, it, it's, it's something that, that the animator has to intuit. And I think, you know, to your point earlier, if you look at the different creatures, because it's part crab, it's part, uh, you, know, uh, you know, human, it's part, uh, who, who knows, part something else. And the way it, it walks is, is a pretty amazing thing. And so you use different reference animals, gorillas, and uh, the other crabs, and the different reference creatures, even a guy crawling on a gurney here. Uh, all went into animating this that creature, and you know uh, they did it. Rodeo FX did a fantastic job on this entire series as far as the creature animation goes. Well, great background on that, Bill. That, that that's fantastic. Wow. Now, if you think that's pretty in intense, uh, let me show you one of mine too. Uh, this particular um, this particular uh, he's actually a rigger. He's a TD rigger. His name is uh, Eric uh, D. Lagare. And he worked at ILM and Image Engine Design. In fact, I think he works at EA now in their gaming gaming uh, division. So this particular uh, video is what he did. He did a lot of the rigging for this. So you can see this bull jamming into there. It shows how they simulated the bull's fat using Houdini. And you know Houdini. Of course, they use it for almost everything, right, in, in, in VFX today. It's an amazing tool. Yeah, yeah That this particular with the dragon, uh, this particular, this zygote in you know, Oat Studio created this... Um, this short film called Volume One Zygote, and you can just look at. It. I think it, this particular rig of this this character had 5,700 joints, and uh, it. I mean, that's that's. Gosh, I I can't even imagine how how much time it took to animate that with all of those joints in that character. That's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. So that's. Hey, well, we're uh, kind of winding it down. Did you want to mention some of the software and tools that uh, just people might want to uh, use or people are using? Well, I mean. Some animated non humans? Sure. I mean, Maya, of course. I mean, Maya Blender now, uh, of course, that's because that's free. Uh, you know, 3D Studio, any of the, the main 3D packages, software packages, you can, you can use to do any of these characters that are non human. So th those are what I would recommend. Do you have anything uh, out of the, you know, out of the uh, different from that? No, I don't think there's uh, any creature-specific software. I, you know, if there were, I, I'm sure we'd know about it. But I, I would like to mention that there's a, a great place at, uh, called Sketchfab.com, uh, and they have a really great collection of creatures that are already rigged and animated. Uh, that would make some really great reference material because that's that's one thing we've mentioned a couple times in this podcast is how important a reference material is and, and looking at at uh, 
you know how things move and, and being familiar with with their skeletal anatomy and stuff like that but it has great reference material or you can actually use it as a base for your own animations because you can download these creatures as well and just kind of animate uh, layer your animations on top or change it up or whatever but sketchfab.com is a pretty pretty great place and they're not paying me to say that it's just a cool cool place i found yes and and there's a couple you know tips uh every creature animator should know and uh, a great reference for you is go to uh, animationmentor.com and a lot of these tips are on there. Um, for example, their tip number one is creatures are characters, so they're not dumb animals. So when you're, when you're animating them, you're thinking about it, get into their motivation at the moment, you know, get into that creature's motivation. Know as much as possible about them um, from your designer or even out of your own imagination. So. Don't, into uh, their head. Yeah, so that's kind of what you, you want to... Every animator is basically acting for that creature, so you need to get yourself into that. Uh, thinking about their past history, their motivation, so know that. Um, also, there's there's also uh, fit, fit the animation style to the project you're working on. I think I mentioned that before. You have cartoony creatures, um, like Open Seas and Surf's Up. You get your fantasy creatures, uh, which you, Game of Thrones... Um, Harry Potter, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then you have your realistic creature animations like I Am Legend, uh, which had the the lions and and um, deer, and then Jungle Book, of course you mentioned, and then of course uh, Lion King, the CGI version of Lion King. So know those differences, and I think you're gonna you're gonna go a long way. That was great information, Sean. Great advice as well. Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump into the mailbag, Sean? Uh, All right. Well, this is uh, this is from our podcast twenty one. I'm sorry, twenty two zero nine, and that was how uh, stop motion animation is created. And this is Boris Say or Boris A Y. <laughs> he said, uh, "Thanks for the childhood, guys." So I'm assuming that uh, we you relived your childhood by watching or listening to us um, for that podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think that was me mentioning the the Gumby. Uh, Gumby. shows that we used to watch. Yeah, yes. that, that'll take some people way back. Uh, the next comment we got is from Gavin uh, sixty four, and this was uh, in regard to our podcast twenty two oh eight, where video games headed in the future. Um, Gavin says, Gavin sixty four says, video game graphics will increase in fidelity using AI and algorithms. The worlds will become larger, and simulations become more advanced. In the future, people will attend sporting events through AR and VR, democratizing access to these events so everyone with an internet connection can go, I guess. Uh, imagine going to the Super Bowl by just putting on a headset. The players won't be CVG avatars, but actually high-fidelity images of them in motion. It will be like you're actually seeing them in person. Well, that would be quite cool, I have to say, uh, Gavin, but I think we're a few, way, a few years off, but, uh, but not too far off, actually. I think with with the stuff we're seeing and the rate things are improving, and we've talked about that as well in past podcasts, that the technology is is really accelerating. So, you know. Well, I'm gonna have to think about that. That the the, the attending sporting events through VR and AR that would be very interesting. I'd, I'd like to see that. That would be very very cool. Great uh, great comment, Gavin sixty four. All right. Well, this is a masked man, and he says, uh, "Do I have to say something good about your podcast for you to read my comment?" Well. No, no, you don't have Obviously to. No, no <laughs> of course not. No, if you have something uh, you don't want to say that's good, just say it. Say it. We'll we'll uh, we'll uh, bring it on and, and put it on and read it. So yeah, we've got obviously you know and, and exactly yeah. yeah, just don't use any profanity. We're good. <laughs> very fine. Very fine. Well, hey, thanks again for being part of our podcast today. We do them just for you, and we answered uh, Emily's question. 
how are non-humans uh, animated, and we hope you enjoyed our conversation and learned something uh, you didn't know along the way. If you did, hey, tell, help us out, do us a big favor, and uh, share it around in your circles, as well as click on the like button. It really, really helps us uh, and, and our channel greatly by signaling to YouTube to find other people just like you. That's uh, what uh, you know. That's what we want to see, and, and those are the things that uh, will get us uh, people watching more and more and listening more and more. Yes, and we're always looking to improve our podcast, so uh, we'd like to know what you think. Uh, so please be sure to leave a comment down below, and uh, if you've got a subject that you'd like us to cover in the podcast, uh, jump onto our website, thecgbros.com. Uh, click on the About Us tab, and then on Ask Us Anything, and uh, Emily did that, and it's that pretty, that easy. So uh, we'd like to let you know that we bring you a hot new edition of the CG Insider podcast every week. Uh, we discuss topics uh, having anything to do with computer graphics, CGI animation, and digital VFX, as well as a plethora of other interesting and related subjects that come to our attention. A plethora. If you haven't already done so, do yourself a favor and check out our YouTube channel where you'll find some of the best and award-winning state-of-the-art CGI animation and entertainment in the form of fantastic short films, VFX breakdowns, CGI makings of, and uh, also some other, other cool stuff you might find. You might even find some stop-motion stuff on there, too, um, by created by some of the most talented new media producers in the world. Plethora. Yes. Plethora. Anyway, we're looking forward to seeing you back here for next week's podcast, where we'll be answering another listener's question, how are crowd animations created? Don't miss it. It might get a little crowded in here, bro. Bye for now. Well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Pro's answer to the question, how are non-humans animated? Thanks for being with us. If you watched us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please give us a thumbs up. Be sure to leave a comment, too, because we might share it on a future podcast and mention you by name. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free. And ring the bell. So you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. If you're listening to us on our audio-only version, please leave a comment. And don't forget to tell all your friends that they too can enjoy the audio-only version on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Learn more about us by going to our website, thecgbros.com, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how are crowd animations created? This has been episode 2210 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.